welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. The book of 2 Peter. Living the incomparable life its very nature is inseparably linked to loving the truth. Okay, hear that again, please. Living the inseparable life by its very nature is inseparably linked to loving the truth. Let's read together what the Apostle Peter wrote to the believers in this second epistle. Would you start with me right here? Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen. Now, did, did you happen to catch that twice in there, the Apostle Peter talked about knowledge and then talked about promises of God? Now, all of these are linked to truth. Jesus said in one of his sermons in John's, recorded in John chapter 8, that ye shall know the truth... The truth shall make you free. He also said, you're my disciples indeed. What? If you walk in the truth. And so truth is inseparably linked to living the incomparable life. Now, now look, he's, the, the first thing that he said was, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, knowledge of God the Father. Father God. But then he also said that as his divine power has provided us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. So, knowledge of God the Father Knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he went on to say, Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. So you have these promises that are exceedingly great and precious. Three times, Peter is saying, living the incomparable life, is inseparably linked to knowing and loving the truth. Amen? 
But we have to ask ourselves a question. Actually, two questions. First question is, well, what does he mean by knowledge? Second question, what does he mean by exceeding great and precious promises? What, what does this mean? Well, let's take a look and see. Because it really is important to us. Knowledge. Epigonosco. And this is a knowledge that means you, you have correct information. You have full understanding of the facts. Correct information. Full understanding of the facts. But it also means you have personal acquaintance or personal experience so that you know the knowledge and facts to be true or to be false. In other words, you, you, you don't have this full knowledge and full understanding just because somebody told you. But it is because you have searched out the facts yourself. Okay? It's kind of like if, if, if I were to say to you, uh, oh, um, uh, that little white car over there has a uh, 450 horsepower engine in it. And you'd kind of look at me and go, uh, no, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And you go, how do you know that? Oh, I, I, I just read somewhere that, that, that they have that. And then they would go, um, I work on those all the time. And that's a four-cylinder. That's not a 450 horsepower. That's a four-cylinder. Little four-banger in there. You know, and oh, see, they have, they have, personal acquaintance and experience so that they know the facts and they knew that what I was saying was inaccurate because they knew the true facts. Are, are you understand what I'm saying? Knowledge. So the, the apostle Peter is saying you have to have full, accurate, personal knowledge of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But then when he talks about promises, and by the way, that Greek word there, promises, it's an amazing word. It means to promise. (laughs) Promises. God's given us promises. But when it talks about exceeding great, it means very important promises. Okay? It's one thing if I promise to bring you a Dove chocolate bar. It's another thing if I promise to bring you a two-carat diamond. <laughs> right. Which one are you going to listen to most, one? As if I didn't know. Okay. Okay. The chocolate. Yeah. yeah. Go for the chocolate. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it Dove with almond? There we go. Yeah. Is it dark chocolate Dove with almond? Yeah. That's okay. Precious, highly valuable. Just what I was comparing, right? I mean, really, truly, is a is a is a dark chocolate with almond dove bar equal to a two carat diamond? <laughs> okay, I uh, don't think so, right? It's 
It's very important. It's highly valuable. And read with me what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in his second epistle. Everyone together, would you please? For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God because of the Lord Jesus Christ in him are absolutely yes and are absolutely amen. So be it. It is done. It is an established fact. Promises of God. Wow. Wow. So what do we know then? We must have accurate, truthful facts and details about God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and their promises to us. Because rooted in them are his grace His peace, all provisions for life and godliness, and in his promises is that which will deliver us from the corruption of this world and impart to us new life, the divine nature, new life in Jesus Christ. Wow, is this like important or what? But you have to have accurate, true facts and details. And something that that I have have been seeing over the last many months is there's, there's coming some really distorted images of God the Father that, that we really need to look at. Can you go to the next slide for me? I'm going to look at the inaccurate first. I, and I'm seeing this over and over again. That almighty God in the Old Testament is angry, he's vicious, he's mean. And the God in the New Testament, he's only love. He's this cushy, lovey God that just wants good for you. It's like, there's, it's like there's two different gods. The God of the Old Testament that was always burning people and angry at people and angry at sinners and the God of the New Testament who's nothing but love and, and who just, he understands how frail you are and he, he understands. And we just have this two guys. And, and, it, and I'm telling you, you, you hear this all the time through, through Christian media. These two gods. And there, there are people who will tell you, well, the Old Testament's not even relevant anymore. It's all New, it's all new Testament because the New Testament's the New Covenant. The Old Testament doesn't matter anymore. So you don't listen to the Old. You only, you only listen to the New. There's a weird deal about that. The Apostle Peter, James, and John, the Apostle Paul, all they had was the Old Testament. They didn't have a New Testament yet. They were writing it. They only had the Old Testament to preach from. And isn't it amazing? They could preach from the Old Testament. 
the Lord Jesus Christ and God's love, mercy, and grace. How come? Well, because it's there. From Genesis to Malachi in, in, in our Old Testament, in the, in the Hebrew Old Testament that they preached from, it went from Genesis to Second Chronicles. Same books, just in a different order. And they could preach everything that you and I preach out of the Old Testament. How come? Because the New Testament, yes, it's the New Covenant, but it's simply the Old Testament revealed. It's not either or, it's together. And the picture of Almighty God, he's not a different God in the Old Testament than he is in the New. The accurate picture is what? Malachi 3, 6, I'm the Lord God. I change not. He said it in Hebrews. He said, but you are the same and your years are without end. It's not, there's no change. God is immutable. He doesn't change and he's not fickled. He didn't wake up one morning and go, you know what? I'm tired of being the angry God. I'm tired of smoking people. I think I'll just go ahead and become a loving God. And I'll just, and, and I'm going to do away with hell. And, and just, I'm just going to be this loving, merciful God. No. What's right about that? Really? You really want to go to heaven and spend heaven with Hitler? Really? You really want to go to heaven and, and, and spend heaven with a serial killer or with a rapist? Really? I don't think so. I don't think heaven's going to be heaven with those people there. He is the same God. He doesn't change. The God of the Old Testament was the God of mercy. Abraham was declared to be righteous by faith. That's why in the book of Romans, it says it's the same way for you and I. We are made righteous by faith, just like Father Abraham. He said, Abraham, do not fear. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Just as he says to us in the New Testament. That God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The God of mercy and grace. That let Rahab and Ruth and King David. Into the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. In spite of their sin. But because by faith they repented of their sin. And so they were declared to be righteous by faith. And they are in the bloodline of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I can repent of our sin. And by faith be born again. And brought into the bloodline of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same God. Hasn't changed. But there are those who want to say, well, you know, the God of the God of the Bible and the God of of Allah and the God of the Mormons and the God of, of all the people in the world. He's all the same God. He's just all the same God. Really? 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 Take let's let's take a look at a few of them here. This is, the, this is the Arab symbol for Allah. 
who commands them that anybody who will not convert to Islam, all Christians and all Jews who will, and all other religions who will not convert to Islam, they're to be murdered. Really? That's the, that's the same God? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, here, here's, the, here's the God Bali, uh, the God of death. This is, this is her actual image. This is the image uh, uh, that was displayed on the Empire State Building for many weeks back in 2014. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't you want that over your city? Ah, yeah. Oh, yes. Give us the God of death. Absolutely. Why not? Okay, these are, these are two other idols. This is, the, this is the idol that is on the campus where they're developing some of the most powerful computers in the history of mankind that is amazing. I don't have time to go into that. But, uh, and and this, is, this is another one of the idols from India. It's interesting, isn't it? That you, and, and they want to say this is the same. Well, not according to Psalm 96. In Psalm 96, the psalmist said, All the gods of the nations are idols, but our Lord made the heavens. He's creator God. Listen to how David described him in Psalm 18. Would you put that up for me? Psalm 18. Would you read this with me? I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The pangs of death surrounded me. The floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him even to his ears. All the other idols and gods, including Allah, you have to earn, you have to be good enough. And you are trying to work your way, to earn your way to that God, to earn his favor. But the God of the Holy Scriptures, the living God, the Lord God, the Scripture says he left heaven and came to us to redeem us. That he loved us so much that he came to redeem us. And he says, my ear is not heavy that I cannot hear your cry. My eyes are ever upon you. My eyes are ever going to and fro across the earth. Looking for the righteous ones to whom I can show myself mighty. It says his hand is is extended that he might be able to save. Almighty God, the living God, is not the gods of the Hindu gods or Buddha or Allah or any of the idols of the world. But our living God, creator of heaven and earth, is also almighty God who came to earth to redeem us and to save us. No, we're not like all the other gods. He alone is God. He alone is God. Come on, give him praise. But see, when, when, when we have a distorted concept of Almighty God, that he's only angry at us, that he only wants to burn us in hell, 
When we have a distorted image of God, that he's this loving, cushy God, that he understands our frailty, he understands our weakness, and so, so you know, he's going to be merciful to you, and, and, and he'll understand why you sin. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. When, when, it'll be okay. No, 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 no. Neither one of those are a right image of Almighty God. He's not the God who is wanting to kill anyone who will not who will not convert to Allah. Neither is he the God of 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 the of the Hindus that 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 can never be heard and never never be found. And so you're having to go through all these different life cycles and you got to be careful, you know, because after all you might come back as a fly. You don't, you, 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 you know, and, and, and their people are starving because they will not deal with the rodents and they will not deal with, uh, and they will not butcher the cows and eat them. And so their people are starving because they don't have enough food because the rodents and because they just, I mean, it's, it's, it's the wrong God. All of that, all of that has to do with the wrong God. But our God, the living God, yes, he does say, the sins of mankind angers me because it keeps them from turning to me and finding my grace and mercy. I have done everything necessary for your redemption through my son, Jesus Christ. I made the sacrifice. I, I made the sacrifice on your behalf. You could not do that. I made it. I've made this covenant with you. And it breaks my heart. And yes, judgment will come on you when you turn away from my covenant. But it's not because God hasn't done everything to make it, make it possible. It's because of man's stubborn self-will. But God has made it all possible. He's a loving, merciful, gracious God. But when our, when, when our view of him is distorted, then we will not trust him. When our view of him is distorted, we will not love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When our view of him is distorted then we will not embrace his grace and we will not allow his peace to rule in our heart and life. Look look at this. Go ahead and go to the next slide for me. When, When we trust the truth of who God is, we trust his character, we trust his nature, we trust his promises, when we, when we trust him and love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we open our heart to his grace. Grace is, first of all, his favor to us. His favor. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. He gives it to us because he loves us. We love him because he first loved us. God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
But then when we will turn to him and say, this is who you are. This is, God, this is who you are. And God, Father, I can love you. I can trust you. I will throw myself upon your mercy. And I'll trust your grace. Then God gives us his favor that we don't deserve and we cannot earn. You can't earn it. What are you going to do to earn it? Well, I'll give God my life. He gave you life. When you give it back to him, you give it to him out of love. Not out of trying to earn his favor. You give it back to him out of love because he's given you his favor already. Are you see what I'm saying? See, understanding God is critical. But grace also was not only his favor, it's his strength. Paul, my grace will be sufficient for you because in your weakness, my strength will be made complete. And so not only does grace give us favor, grace gives us strength in my hour of weakness. He gives me strength. I mean, how amazing is that? But see, I will never access that if I don't truly believe who he is. I'll not access it. I, I got this. I'll, I'll handle it. Do I dare ask you how that's working for you? Well, but you know, but pastor, you know, I, I, I mess up all the time. And if I just give myself totally to God, I'm afraid what he's... See, that's because you don't know him. You're afraid of him because you don't know him. There is this fear, this reverence for God because he's almighty God. And because, yeah, and, no, and, and, and he, doesn't get, he doesn't get permission from anybody because he's God, right? And that's, that's a little frightening. And so I reverence him because I know that's who he is. But I love him and I absolutely trust him because I also know how much he loves me and how much he has my best at his heart. And so I can trust him. I can trust him. And see, and when that happens, then I have peace. Inner tranquility. Inner tranquility. Inner assurance, Amen. inner affirmation. See, see, it's because I know who he is and I know how great he is. I know how awesome he is and I know how much he loves me. So I know how much I can trust him. And so I throw myself on him. The moment I throw myself on him, he gives me the affirmation and the assurance That as my father, he will always have my back. He will always be my rear guard. He will always go before me. He will always surround me with his favor like a shield. He will always be my protection. He will always be there. He will never abandon me. And so I have this affirmation, this assurance in my heart. Woo! That's peace. That's peace. I can, I can rest. I don't have to worry. Deary worrywart friends of mine, you don't have to worry anymore. He's got it. Amen. He's got it. 
Come on, tell me the truth. Has your worrying solved one problem? Has has your worrying added one slice of bread to the loaf? Has your, no. That's what Jesus was talking about when he says, wait, 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 wait. You're worrying and you're fretting over all this stuff. Look at the birds of the year. They don't get up in the morning and go, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Is my creator going to take care of me? Is my creator going to take He said, no, creator's going to take care of him. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't wake up in the morning all shriveled and go, oh no. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't do that. No, no, and yet, your father, and he, and he uses that term, your father, cares so much more about you so you can trust him. Wow. Amen. Amen. So knowing truth, trusting truth, having the truth of God in your heart, having it in its fullest measure, is critical to your life. It's critical to your life. You must have accurate, true knowledge of God the Father and his promises so that you can rest in him. And we're going to come next week and we're going to look at true, accurate knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and his promises and what that means to us. But this morning, it is very important. Jump to the next slide for me. It's very important that you, that you understand. I left it down there. What, what the Apostle Paul wrote to Titus. Would you read it with me, please? Paul a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of truth. Stop. According to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, continue, which accords with godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Wow, you can go to the bank on it. You can build your life. Listen, this truth is the solid rock on which you can build your life. It'll give you the solid foundation for the incomparable life. But you've got to have it. It's not optional. Would you stand with me, please? You've got to have it. See, we're living in a day when truth is not being embraced. It's being being toyed with. There, There are people that say things like this. Well, you know, the Bible is not necessarily God's word. It contains God's word, but it's not necessarily. Wait, 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 wait. Stop. What did we just read? 
God wrote this before time began. That's why it says in Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heavens. Because he wrote it before time began. See, that's the amazing thing about it. See, see, I, I know the Apostle Paul pinned half the New Testament. But what you got to understand is, before time began, God had already written it. Paul was just his publisher. God wrote it before time ever began. He had both Old and New Testament written before time ever began. So you can, you, you can, you can build your life on it. But you can't, you can't adjust it to your own reasoning, to your own opinions, to your own belief. That's why it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, if we go on down further from where we're studying right now, it says it's of no private interpretation. You don't get to have your own opinion about it. Now, there may be times when, as your pastor, I'll say, now look, this is my personal opinion. And what do I always tell you? You get to have one of your own. Because if it's my personal opinion, that means you get to have one of your own. And that doesn't mean your opinion has to agree with mine. Come on, right? It's a personal opinion. You can't teach personal opinion as doctrine or as truth. You can just say, well, this is my opinion. And then you can say back, well, this is my opinion. And I go, okay. I guess we get to agree or disagree. But when I say to you, God's word says, now it's settled forever. Am I making sense? And what you need to know is God who is your father never changes and when he says I love you so much that I give my son for you that hasn't changed and when he says to you I will forgive your sin and I will remove them as far as the east is from the west never to be remembered against you again that's why there's no condemnation and you can walk in that and live in that you can can trust your whole life on that When God says, your sins were buried with Jesus Christ to live no more, you can trust that old man, that old woman, that didn't live anymore. You're the the new creation. So you can trust it. You can trust God the Father. One last thing. The Lord Jesus Christ himself said this. If you being earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, How much more will your heavenly father give good things to them that love him? See, that's that's God. That's, that's, That's my daddy. And that's your daddy. Isn't that cool? We all have the same daddy. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. 
If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.